Take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. Pat's the pirates in the house. Ahoy, mates. Ahoy, mates. Thank you so much, Shelly. It's great to have Majesty Music here. We do know that we have some delegates that are visiting with us today. We're so glad to have each one of you. I was thinking about what to share today. And you know what, gang? I mean this honestly. We have a very special couple with us today. More than you realize, Ron and Shelly Hamilton. You know, really, I, I have to tell you, I don't believe that we've spent, Marilee and I have spent 100 hours with the Hamiltons. And yet I will tell you, I consider Ron and Shelly two of my best friends. And whenever you are with them, there's just something special about it. We've been able to travel together. We've been able to do a few things together, but we really haven't spent that much time together in our lives but it seems like our lives have crossed at different times. And I was thinking about something with the whole majesty music and many of you going into music and different things like that. I thought about talking about music and actually we are going to talk about a very musical term today. But I wanted to talk to you about ministry. Because I think we have an example today of a couple that has helped my wife and I. And they've been an example and I want to talk to you today. I actually have two little sermonettes, okay? Sermonettes, man. I don't think we use those around here. But we have two messages today. One is the two enemies of intimacy in ministry. The two enemies of intimacy in ministry. And then I want to talk to you about the three steps of Selah. The three steps of Selah. And um, I'm going to take Luke chapter 10 and just kind of look at a few things today. We'll read the scripture and then we'll have a word of prayer. Ask God to be with us as we look at this. Um, for all the guests that are here, many of you may be in a full-time music, full-time ministry. And if it is, you need what we're going to say right now. If you're going to be a, co you're a college student and you're planning on going into ministry, I do mean this honestly. To get a hold of the two enemies of intimacy in ministry is absolutely imperative that you get this. So let me encourage you today. Open up your heart. We just have a short time. But would you open up your heart and allow God to speak to you today? Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says this. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Father, I pray today that all our guests today that work and minister in music areas of churches would really get a hold of this today, and I pray for our college students Lord, we believe that the vast majority of our college students will be in ministry. I believe, Father, that these are the two enemies for their intimacy with you in ministry. And they've got to be identified. 
then Lord, I pray that all of us would start practicing the three steps of sila. What does it mean? More than a musical term of rest, what does it mean to sila in our life? I pray, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for majesty music being here. And I think we can learn some things from an experienced couple that maybe could teach us all some things about ministry today. So, Lord, I ask and pray that Christ will be preeminent. But, Father, I pray the word of God would really convict, comfort, and challenge us in our ministries that we have. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And the laborers of the harvest said, let me give you, first of all, the two enemies of intimacy and ministry, and they are this. Number one, distracted by stuff. And number two, distorted by self. Now, as long as you ever live, college student, and you are ever in ministry, these are your two enemies. From breaking the relationship that you are supposed to have with Christ. Number one, you get distracted by stuff. And that's a good word. Stuff. It may be a, a small word, but it just covers so much stuff. Let me share this with you today. Stuff can get our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. She is encumbered with much stuff. She's got this going and this going and this going and this is happening in her life and she's got to do this and she's trying to do this all for Jesus. By the way, sometimes the stuff can be good, but it distracts us from our intimacy with Jesus Christ. Sometimes the stuff isn't good, but whatever, you got to constantly in ministry focus Come back to Jesus Christ. You gotta, okay, I gotta do this and I do have to do this and I do have this priority and I've gotta get this done and there are some practical things that have to happen today and I gotta get this, but you gotta keep aligning. You gotta keep getting it aligned. You gotta keep getting your focus back on Jesus Christ so quickly that special becomes more important than Jesus Christ. Let's talk about music for just a moment. So often in an area like this, the performance becomes more important than the person you're doing it for. I'm all about polish. Oh, I'm all about practice. But we've got to be sure that we're not so cumbered about the special. We're not so cumbered about this or that that we forgot the whole reason why we're in ministry is the Lord Jesus Christ. We can be encumbered with so she's got all this stuff going on. And when you've got all this stuff going on, you're going to get distracted in ministry and you will not have the intimacy with Christ that you need. But number two, notice the distortion by self. Notice what she says here. First of all, um, I look at verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. She's, she's distracted by all the stuff going on in her life. But then look at this. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath... Everyone together, what's the next two words? Left me. She's... She's distracted by stuff, but she's distorted by herself. It's like, this is all about you, Martha. Now, if you would have asked Martha, I said, no, this isn't. This is all about serving Jesus. 
Well, somewhere in the serving Jesus, you got self-involved. And now this is all about you, Martha. It's no longer about Christ. And I will tell you, it is amazing, after 38 years of ministry, how quickly self gets in. I mean, you're in the middle of doing something for the Lord. You're getting ready for this. You're getting ready. And self comes in. Laborers to the harvest, whether you're in it already and you're here, or whether you're preparing, you have got to constantly protect yourself from the distraction of stuff and the distortion of self because it's never about you. He must increase and I must decrease. That's not what I want to talk about today. I want you to see what Mary does because sometimes we do spend too much time on Martha. I want you to see the three steps of Selah. She had a sister called Mary, which also, now there's two things that she does here, but we're going to get three points out of it, okay? Which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down three words, because I think these are the three steps of Selah, and I'll talk about Selah in just a moment, but I want you to get these three words. Restoration, meditation, application. Now, these are the three steps of Selah. Now, the word Selah is a very interesting word. It's mentioned 74 times in the Bible. 71 in Psalms, 3 in Habakkuk. And if you ever take minor prophets with me, I want to talk to you about the Selahs in Habakkuk chapter 3. They're the coolest thing in the world. But 71 times in the book of Psalms, the word Selah is mentioned. Now, they say, and I believe it's true, it's a musical term of a rest, a stop, a pause. Take your Bibles and turn to the very first time it's mentioned in the Bible, Psalm 3. Psalm 3. And it happens to be mentioned three times in Psalm 3. Matter of fact, I noticed something as I was looking up all the references. Many times when Selah is mentioned in a psalm, it's mentioned three times in that psalm. There's like nine psalms that has it mentioned three times. But the very first time it's mentioned is Psalm 3. And look at this. By the way, I love this song, too. Uh, many of you. Uh, hey, did you guys know this, too, where it says they are all, every time, they're, okay, listen to this, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Do you realize that those are inspired, those little titles at the beginning? That is as inspired as anything else. That little title there, by the way, that tells us what's going on. Probably one of the lowest times of David's life. And he needs a Selah right now. Absalom has, has taken over the kingdom and uh, his own son. And I mean, he's at a low point. Psalm 3, verse 1. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Everyone together? Well, that was a terrible one. In God. But thou, O Lord. You guys like this? I love this song too. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head. Now let me tell you what happens at that selah. He stopped. He considered. He restored himself. What's the beginning of restoration? Rest. Stop. Cease. 
he rested himself, he restored himself, he then meditated, began to understand what was going on and understand who God is. He chewed on it, understand what was going on, and then he made it personal to him. And by the way, I think those cup, C-U-P, I think that's the key to meditation. The key to meditation is, I, I, I wrote this down, is number one, you, I forgot what I was, I was saying. What was C? What did I just say? You're not meditating. <laughs> C-U-P, understanding, personal, and what was it? No, no, C. Consider. What was my point? I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, but it was good. Let me tell you. It was a great point. When you meditate, you first of all have to stop. You're restoring yourself. Then you begin to meditate. Chew! That's the word. That's the word. Chew! You chew on it, you understand it, and you make it personal. Cup. You know what? I never gave it to you. That's why you didn't get it. Okay, I'm going like, I know I know this, okay? You chew on it, and that's what it means to meditate. You chew on it, you understand it, you make it personal, and then, this is the key to the whole thing with Selah, you apply it. And that's what he does. Look at verse number, um, look at verse four. I cried. Now he's going to make application to what he just stopped and considered. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Everyone together? I laid me down and slept. I await for the Lord to stain me. I will, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me. O oh my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. And everyone said, Selah. Selah. What does it mean? It means I, first of all, I stop and I rest. It means, secondly, I begin to meditate. I chew. I understand. I make it personal. And then I apply it in my life. I apply it. And then number three, and then restoration, meditation, application. Go back to, let's go back to Mary. So what did Mary do here, Brother Shetler? Mary does two things. She sat at Jesus' feet. Well, you know, Brother Scheller, we don't have Jesus anymore on this earth in physical form. So how do we sit at Jesus' feet? Jesus' feet. <laughs> Word of God. What does it mean to sit at Jesus' feet in 2018? It means every day you come to this book. And every day you sit at Jesus' feet. And if you're not sitting at Jesus' feet, it ain't happening in ministry. You're going to be Martha. You're going to be distracted by stuff. And you're going to be distorted by self. And every day, you got to come to the feet of Jesus. And you got to sit. Now notice the second thing she did. She sat and she heard. 
Now that word heard is more than just with her ears. She let it become a part of her life. And that is what he said to her. Martha, Martha, Martha. Mary has a better part. Thanks for the servant. Thanks for the meal. We'll have the meal in a minute. Martha, just rest. Martha, come over. It's time to consider. Just Sela for a minute, okay? Come on over and meditate. Chew and understand and make personal what I'm talking to you about, all right? Hey, make an application to what you got from God's word. Now, you hear this. You got to get this in ministry. Never, 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 never leave your devotions without something you can apply in your life. You gotta leave with something. You're gonna sit at Jesus' feet. You leave it. I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine, some of you know Shane Lewis. He's going through leukemia right now, and I was talking to him. And I said, Hey, what are you doing for devotions right now, Shane? He said, Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing, Pastor Scheller. I'm doing what you told us 25 years ago. I said, well, What was that? Don't you remember what you taught us? I said, Well, kind of remind me. I can't even remember my outline when I'm preaching it. Okay, so help me. So help me a little bit. He said this. He said, Pastor Scheller, you used to tell us that whenever you have your devotions, don't leave your devotions until you got something you can apply in your life. He said, I got to tell you what. I, sometimes I read a chapter. Sometimes I read a couple chapters. Sometimes I just read a couple verses. But all these years, I've never left my devotions without application from God's word. And I want to tell you something that's good stuff. Now, we are blessed at West Coast Baptist this week to have a very special couple. And this couple, I think, has learned some things about ministry. In the years that I have watched from afar and known from a little bit close, Ron and Shelley don't get distracted by stuff. They've kept their focus on Christ, and it's been evident in their ministry. I'll tell you one thing. You are not around Ron and Shelley, where they are distorted by their self. It, they are one of the two of the most humble people I know when you think about everything. And I got to thinking about something. Ron's sick right now. And I'm thinking, man, we got we to get another Ron Hamilton. We got to get, I mean, we got to start praying for another Ron Hamilton. And I started thinking, Lord, why have you blessed Ron? I do not think that God has blessed Ron because he's gifted. I don't think the key to Ron Hamilton, oh, then you don't know him, Brother Scheller. I mean, that's like the most gifted person in the world. I mean, Ron Hamilton could sit in a room and come up with stuff. He can make it funny. He can come up with words. He can come. That is like the most gifted. No, I disagree. I don't think Ron Hamilton's gifted. I think Ron Hamilton's godly. And I want to share this with you. Godly people are the most creative people you'll ever meet. Godly people are given a special grace by God to do special things. And I was thinking... Lord, we, we need another Ron Hamilton. No, we don't. What we need is godly young people. Because if we have godly young people, the music's going to be great in the future. The creativity and the different things and the humor and everything, it'll be there. It's not about giftedness. It's not about talent. 
It's about tenderness. Um, everyone can have their favorite songs. Now, I do like the Wiggle Worm is my favorite fun song. But one of their very first songs they ever came out with, when I first heard it, I said, wow. I told my wife, I said, Marilee, at my funeral, I want a teen choir singing a tender heart. And as I've looked back over Ron and Shelley's life, they've had, you know, they, they, they've done all, you could look at them and say, well, there are a lot of Marthas. I think Ron and Shelley, no, they're not. Ron and Shelley are not Marthas. They're Marys. And they've learned how to stay at the feet of Jesus. And it's really made a difference. I've got it all queued up. I think we're all ready, right? I, I wanted you to hear the song, A Tender Heart. Now, this was one of the very first songs that Ron ever wrote. But I want to tell you something. To me, it's always been my favorite. Because college students and guests that are here today, this is the key to having the right spirit in music. This is the key. It is not the Martha distorted by self and distracted by stuff. It's the Sila. It's the Mary who with restoration in their hearts, with, with meditation and with application, you keep your heart tender. Brother Shetler, there'll never be another Pats the Pirate. I disagree. I believe that the next person that could influence our movement and Christian young people is in this room right now. But I gotta tell you, it's not, well, I don't think we're gifted. It's not about being gifted. It's about being godly. It's about having a tender heart.